welcome to What the Hex, your source, Warhammer Underworlds, in under 30 glory for just standing in some random places. I'm your host, <laughs> Davey, and uh, with me, as always, have my co-host, Phil. How are you doing, Phil? Hey, I'm doing good. And we have with us a special guest, and uh, this will immediately tell you, the uh, if you don't already know, the topic for uh, this episode. Uh, we have Sandro, Grand Clash champion, in uh, to talk to us about his experiences. Sandro, welcome uh, to the cast, and thank you for coming on. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm great. Thank you very much. Yeah. I... Uh, we are going to uh, break down your deck, talk to you about uh, how, you, how you came to it, um, and uh, yeah. talk about your experience at the Grand Clash. will be kind of the, the focus for what we're doing. Uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with us uh, to ask any follow-up questions or such, you can get us at WTHCast uh, or uh, whatthehexcast at gmail.com. Uh, for community shout-outs, we're gonna we're gonna kind of jump in. I think we've got a, a heck of an episode to get to, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, forego some of our usual stuff. I just wanted to give a shout-out. Currently going on right now is the LVO uh, day one. We have a shout-out to Aman who took the first one. He went six zero and one with the Wild Hunt in a best of hunt. Uh, sorry, in a best well, kind of a best of hunt because John yeah. Davis, <laughs> uh, Tony Field, and Aman all took uh, all took Wild Hunt. Um, but uh, he, he took it down on uh, the Friday skirmish. Now there's a Saturday skirmish going on right now. Um, so back at it again. And then uh, our own personal shout-out to uh, Jeff Osborne, who took uh, Overlords and uh, finished eighth on the first day uh, and, uh, with a respectable five and two. Um, so did, did well, had some close games. It was uh, enjoyable to kind of listen along with. But uh, Sandro, uh, we're going we're gonna to turn it to you here before we actually get in can you give us a quick breakdown of uh how you how you got into the hobby what hooked you on um on underworlds or what got you so, into games workshop in general yeah sure uh so basically the um so i, I come from basically like a, a Yu-Gi-Oh and a pokemon tcg background so i've always loved like card game card based games uh, mm-hmm. in general and so like when this um and i, and I tried getting into um, the, the hobby as a whole, because I just love the I love the aesthetics. I, I love everything about the um, just the, the models themselves. And um, but I always found out that time for me was a, a barrier. So when Underworlds came out, it was like it married so like the the models and the that hobby aspect that I've been looking for mm-hmm. uh, with a card game. So for me, it was like it was a no brainer. And I've pretty much been playing since um, um, the since Shakespeare, you know, hit the uh, hit the streets, so to speak. So you you uh, you, you hopped on right away with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Um, it, let me ask you this: So you went? Have you uh, have you been to many clashes before? Was this one of your first, or? So no, actually, I've been to quite a few clashes. So I won the second ever um, Grand Clash in uh, in Warhammer World. So I took that. I took that with the uh, Steel Hearts champions. Uh, I was actually one of the the people who created the um, the Evil Relic um, format. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. So, so yeah, that so I beat um, basically Lee from um, and yeah and Mike Carlin's uh, group from um, from Steel City Underworld. So great, 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 you know, shout out to them. Um, and uh, yeah, and so that that so that was like the first Grand Clash that I uh, that I won. Uh, but pretty much I've been to, to most of them um, in terms of um, the ones that take place in Nottingham anyway. All right. Well, that's two very big ones under your belt already here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the lead up to. Let's talk about. To, we're gonna we're gonna kind of go the uh, pre-tournament deck breakdown first day, second day, sure. and then moving onwards. Uh, but let's talk about the lead up. 
did you know so you did bring Grimwatch, I think everybody probably knows that yeah. at this point. Um what my babies. <laughs> <laughs> was did you know from a, a long time back that you were gonna be bringing Grimwatch or was that uh hundred uh, percent. Okay. Yes. So so basically all the way from when they came out, like September, October time. Um, uh, when they came out, basically, I uh, I fell in love with them straight away. It was literally love, love at first sight. Mm-hmm. Um, I love everything about them. So, like, the um, the lore, the fact that they're very versatile, they're aesthetic, uh, they're fashion cards. I think everything just basically spoke to me. Um, and so, um, way back when we had the Clash in October, um, I took them for the first time. And, uh, you know, I, it, I placed, like, you know, mids, like, sort of, like, it wasn't, like, great. It wasn't awful. It was just I was getting used to them because up until that point, I didn't. I've been running uh, Authority's Guardians, uh, yeah. and obviously sure. with the rotation, uh, they were hit quite hard. So I was kind of looking for a warband to replace them. And before then, I was running Curse Breakers. Before that, I was running, you know, the Steelhearts Champions. So going from three-man warbands slash four to like a seven-man warband, for me, that was a big change. Yeah, it's a um, big shift. So, yeah. So all the way, so you kind of think about like, yeah, all the way from October till now, I was kind of like learning how to like really like deploy them effectively um, how to like you know the ins and outs of the warband and so yeah let's let's talk about that uh, from October to January you knew what warband you were going to take that gave you a good three to four months of uh, refinement on this what do you feel like your yes. takeaway from your October placement was uh, and along the way what what uh, what do you feel like were the big sort of evolutions or things uh, in general terms we'll get into specific cards uh, in a bit do you, was there any uh, broad arc to it or was it uh, did it feel more like small changes no, that was definitely so. For me, the the big change it was about like learning what to deploy where, based mm. against like who I'm facing against. So mm-hmm. um, if mm. I'm facing against like a very aggro or warband or warband that can take my guys off the board, you know, I'm talking about the, the little guys uh, off the board quickly. Then you know my deployment might be very different. You know, I might put like the three small little ghouls at the back, you know, and put like uh, Gristlewell, um, Valrique, Crack Marrow, and the bats, you know, like at the front. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that I had to like get my head around. Uh, also, in terms of board choices, and um, so that was another big thing. Uh, you know, what they, what impact will that have if I'm going to be if I get the objectives, but my opponent longboards me, uh, or versus if my opponent gets the objectives, uh, what board do I pick? So I think they were the things that back in October I just didn't have 100, percent and mm-hmm. I felt like going into like January, um, I, I pretty much nailed it. Sure. Nice. What does uh, what does your practice look like? Are you going to local events? Do you have a strong group of uh, players that that uh, you can run against? Try some of the different matchups, or what? How do you how do you uh, other than just sort of thinking thinking about it? How what's your number one way of sort of getting those repetitions in to uh, to improve uh, for something like this? Actually, like one of um, uh, my best mates, uh, Chris Bailey's, he was also at the event with me in, uh, in January and also in October. Um, he literally is my neighbor. <laughs> so we, uh, we Convenient. get a lot of chance to like, um, you know, meet at least, you know, once a week from time to time and just, uh, and just basically test new things and, and talk shop and, um, and, you know, yeah, test new deck build ideas, you know, in a safe environment where we can go, okay, fine, you know, this was horrible, didn't work or versus, you know, the, oh yeah, this is actually a really good idea. You know, let's see where we can take this further. Um, and then other than that, I also have a group of, um, of friends like in Nottingham and just on the outskirts that we, we meet up um, and play from time to time. So uh, based on all this practice going in, were there any were there any matchups that you uh, feared more than others? Um, and it may have been a case where you felt confident into all of them. But uh, what what particular matchups uh, were you 
particularly uh, that that would say have you have have you on your toes before you went into a game? So that's actually a very good question because like so all the way from October up until so I actually won a local tournament in um, in November. Uh, so this was before um, temporary victory and all that came out. So I still had the um, so I'd, I basically had managed to tweak my deck from what it, the power deck from what it was um, back in October all the way in November. Um, and then, so I managed to win a local, a local, um, a local tournament against um, uh, Dan Jones and, mm-hmm. uh, and Benny Mohan, which were also two of my opponents oh, yeah. in this clash. <laughs> so very good players. <laughs> they and are. So, then, so what that taught me was the fact that um, yeah, so Thorns was um, is the kind of matchup where you know you, you pretty much back then you toss a coin and it was like you either win or you lose. So I was going into this one thinking, okay, so uh, we've obviously Thorns were hit pretty pretty hard with the. Um, with the far list, you know, the, the Forsaken Restricted list. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so in my mind, I was like, okay, is it still going to be a 50-50 coin toss-up? Or, you know, am I going to be, you know, more in control? Uh, so that was definitely one of the matchups that I was, you know, kind of like wary about. Um, and then the other kind of matchups, it was like aggro warbands, because obviously they've got the resi- you know resilience and the, the strength to take your guys off the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and also stopping you from inspiring. So things like, I was thinking of like Iron Souls Condemners, uh, Magor Fiends, if, if you know, if anyone brought those kinds of um, of warbands, it was like, okay, so what's that going to look like um, in those matchups? And then the wild card for me was um, Lady Harrow's Mournflight because I'd heard, you know, a lot of people going, oh, we're going to take these. Um, they seem to be re- really good. They're kind of like an aggro flex warband, so like they're kind of like the Grimwatch, but you know, whereas the Grimwatch do the objective uh, placement really well, the Mournflight they can do that, but they can also come into your field and, and do heavy damage if they need to. So that was the, for me, that was like the wild card that I was like, okay, so how's that going to look like? Um, and in preparation for the event, actually, um, my friend Chris is, was actually running them. So for like a whole week, I got to test my Grimwatch versus them. Oh, um, nice. And find out like all the ins and outs. And it actually paid off a lot in the tournament because I ended up playing, that was like the most common matchup that I went up against. Yeah. I know you mentioned that um, you thought that the, the changes from the far affected some of the matchups you were worried about um but did it affect your style in any way were there any significant changes that you had to make when that came through kind of late obviously yeah but uh, yeah i mean um the so keeping guessing was a big blow for a lot of warbands uh but actually uh, and i originally thought that that, you know it was a big blow for the grimwatch but uh, in hindsight um it i didn't feel that because i actually felt that I had good replacements um, or good substitute in this case for all the cards that were hit. Mm-hmm. So I sure. was able to actually quickly like adapt my, um, you know, because I was playing a flex. So my, my deck, I mean, you've seen the list. It's pretty much a um, flex objective um, play style. So I was able to basically adapt that very quickly with cards that are still available and that aren't uh, restricted or forsaken. So I think that, um, I think the, yeah, so I didn't feel like the, for me, particularly in my playstyle, it was hit as hard as, as, for example, Thorns. Because before, I mean, Thorns, the fact that, yeah, you're able to just go, oh, I score temporary victory by activating Varklav, and I also score Scrum, and I also do all these other things and get onto sure. the field and apply a lot of pressure. So I felt like it slowed the Thorns enough to make them no longer, you know, a, a tidal wave that comes and you can't just stop them. Um, that's a that's a really interesting point. I, I think it's one of the strengths of Grimwatch is that they have a, a very deep bench of cards. So as universals become restricted, they often can just look back at their other 
other other in faction cards and say, "Yep, oh, this is a, this is just a fine fine replacement right here." You know. Yeah. Um, Phil, do you have anything else? Or we're talking about the deck now, and uh, we've we've taken a peek at it. But let's let's uh, let's assume that the listener hasn't, and we'll uh, if if uh, unless you've got anything, Phil, we'll start breaking it down. Yeah. Well, I just. Uh... I just had one other question of just like, um, what is what was your sense of the overall meta in your area at that point? Did it reflect and and did your sense of that meta reflect what you saw at the Grand Clash? Because I think sometimes we get some conversations of like we're starting to get into sort of a almost like a rock paper scissors type situation, um, and the fact that maybe the U.S. and the U.K. meta are actually a little bit different. So I'd be interested to see if what what you were expecting is what you what you actually saw. A hundred percent, yes. What I what I expected was exactly what I saw. I expected a lot of thorns. I expected a lot of um, um, one flight, and that that is exactly what um, what I what I saw in the in the events. The um, uh, things that I was a little bit surprised by was the curse breakers because there was a lot, you know there was quite a few there was quite a number of curse breakers that qualified for top sixteen. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're still good and they're still great, which I think is, is amazing because I really like the Warband. So the fact that magic isn't dead, um, I think that that speaks volumes for the fact that, you know, if you put enough time and effort with any Warband uh, in any meta, you can you can pretty much, you know, do do well. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think the, in terms of the meta here, from what, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but o- over there, it's kind of like uh, more aggro. Uh, certainly or, that is uh, the perception. I haven't, uh, th- this... Uh, event this weekend is kind of our our first big one i think uh since the some of the latest big changes so that's a reception and i think uh, after this weekend that's uh, happening right now uh i.e a week ago when people are listening to this uh, that'll that'll kind of uh been the litmus test to see if that theory is correct okay uh, well yeah i think here there's a lot more um flex control um with you know with aggro built in there so i think that that um and, and that's exactly what I saw. All right. Well, so knowing what you, it, you having correctly predicted, what what did you put in your deck to uh, to face this? And uh, I think, uh, as always, a good place to start would be the objectives. If uh, you can break yeah. it down any way you like, uh, if you want to run through the surges sure. or end phase or whatever whatever um, format feels yeah. uh, constructed to. So uh, yeah. So if we go into the surges, so I put um, pervasive delusion. I think that's uh, it's a great uh, objective. It's extremely reliable. I've 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 never not scored it in. Uh, in this, any of the games I've ever had, this is uh, a three the, three gambits, three ploys, three gambits, and yeah, yeah correct, and you and you score it, um, which I think is a, it's a great card, especially when when you've got um, friends is searching there as well. Like I, I put I put in, it's it's pretty much a, a guaranteed um, uh, surge. Mm-hmm. Um, Swiss yeah. capture uh, again, great um, great objective in terms of uh, yeah. I mean, because you're not you're typically going to be holding uh, an objective in your side of the field. So then, being able to get you know one onto onto your opponent's side of the field, pretty much it plays exactly into what you know the flex play style that the um, they're very much are great at. Um, I, you know, in the name of the king staple, uh, it's one of my absolute favorite um, objectives. And then also putting in there temporary victory. I mean, if you're doing one, you're going to do the other one as well. Mm-hmm. So that for me was yeah. like a no-brainer. Um, and then my absolute favorite surge is the uh, shifting madness. Yeah, um, yeah. Because again, it's one of those that. Um, you know, it can be it can be literally a oh my opponent makes an action and you know and I'm going to just score this because they didn't you know target um, the guy that was on the objective for that particular turn. So it's um, it can be you know in, it's set up properly. It's it's again it's a really easy search to score. And then the the new addition to the deck was obviously um, gathered momentum. Mm-hmm. So from the what I had in my deck before, I had calculated risk, 
um, and obviously I got rid of that for temporary victory because again for me that was a it was a no-brainer. Two glory um, surges, uh, great, uh, and then yeah, gathered momentum. It just worked so well in this deck because you can always score it with the bats because they're never the first target for anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. Just, okay, they can't hold objectives, so I'm not going to go for them. And then obviously, once the Grim March uh, inspire, any one of them can score this card. And mm-hmm. if you're having a really good game, um, even the fact that it's also a hybrid and you can score it through the um, through just scoring. How, two or more, uh, how often do you say? How often would you say you find yourself scoring it in that alternate uh, alternate option? Uh, I actually scored it in uh, a couple of games, which I was very surprised, uh, pleasantly, <laughs> very pleasantly surprised. And so um, it wasn't obviously not as often as you think, but uh, but it, it can happen. So if you've got it in hand, I mean, in one of my games, I'm actually managed to score um, so temporary victory in the name of the king, and then gathered momentum, and so that was the five Oof. glory. Oof! Uh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and you know that, that also the psychological impact that it has on your opponent is um, is huge. You know when they see oh, they've just scored three objectives, you know literally for just getting onto some. You know that 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 speaks volumes in terms yeah. of setting the pace of the game. How, how about the uh, how about the end phase then? What what have you got for those? Uh, so end phase, I've got the, so the uh, ever reliable fired up, uh, which you know again with the grim watch, it's pretty much uh, an auto include. Um, and then obviously because I've got very easy to score surge cards, I've put in opening gambit. Um, and Combination Strikes. Mm-hmm. And again, Combination Strikes was one of those cards that um, it wasn't a last-minute change, but it was so I had before. So when I was testing this with um, with my friend Chris, um, I was testing the old Veterans card, mm-hmm. um, which is basically if you've got three Hunters that are alive at the end of the um, third end phase, oh. uh, you score basically two glory, which, you know, and I was actually consistently managing to score that card. Uh, the, what I found, though, is that it was it, it slowed me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because having a third end phase card that was only two glory, which you know I say only two glory, but um, you know it just basically meant that if I was drawing that at the beginning, I might ha- I had to like either discard it or if I kept it, it just slowed my entire game plan down. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, what can I replace it with that? Now that we don't have to keep them guessing, and I thought, you know, I'm going to try combination strikes. And since I put that in, it just it synergizes so well with the rest of the the deck that um, I've only had to like get rid of it once because obviously. In terms of the cards, there's only like a, one card combination where I found that I had to get rid of, mm-hmm. which would have been combination strikes, um, opening gambit, and great uh, and solid gains. That so, was like the only time where I'm like, oh, if I get if I draw these three cards at the beginning of the game, get rid of them. Any of the combinations should be okay. Yeah, and that's that's it. I mean, the 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 risk of combination strike is uh, is if it gums up your hand. You have a deck that almost. I mean, basically, none of your surges depend on a dice roll. Somebody like no. uh, Thunderix Profiteers, who have traditionally used that to, to good effect, uh, particularly, obviously, when there were more surges available, they still have some that require, you know, uh, headshot requires the crit to show up. Uh, if they have, um, you know, death from afar that requires a successful kill. So those can get gummed up by the dice rolls. Yours yours are, the only way you can get gummed up is by card draw and uh, and... You, so you've got a, a very reliable way of, of uh, scoring that. I I can't imagine there's too many times when you draw it uh, outside of your opening hand where uh, where it's uh, ever been a problem. Yeah, correct. No, absolutely. And then obviously cards like Supremacy, Path to Path to Victory, you know, they're just like staples in there as well. So mm-hmm. I think it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind mm-hmm. of like I'm, I was actually very proud of the objective deck because it all just flows very well. Um, you know, and all you need is to basically get at least, you know, score either a surge, uh, which then, you know, starts the, the avalanche from, you know, just starts things off, 
Um, or you need to base, basically be able to score some solid glory, either like in the form of path to victory or supremacy at the end of the um, of the round, you know, round one, so that, you know, you're in a good place to mm-hmm. set up for the rest of the game. Yeah. What What is the uh, total glory uh, for those not doing it on a scratch pad at home? Uh, so we're talking about, if I'm not mistaken, about 18? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 18, but, but very reliable. Uh, actually, 18, you know, I, I, that's what I find is uh, has been a problem as I try to make aggro decks, is they often, they, they don't have enough uh, end phase glory, and so I end up, I've got I've got a risky fifteen or a reliable ish fourteen or a really reliable thirteen and those are just not high enough. Uh, Phil and I were just talking about this uh, uh, right before we recorded, is how how hard it is to get to to push the uh, glory ceiling high enough in some of those decks uh, to keep pace. Um, all right. Well, uh, what uh, what about the ploys? What about the gambits? So I actually divided them into two sections. So I've got my what I call you know my, my push or, or setup gambits. So I've got like pack advance. Bone visage, distraction, sidestep, and center of attention, mm-hmm. uh, which is all about you know mm. either scoring my um, my surge, you know, or my my objective play, uh, or about me position positioning myself to uh, get into my opponent and and start you know slashing and hacking, um, and then you know to, to to help me do that, I've got my um, you know what, my, my others, so like my my other ploys um, or gambits, which is like confusion, haymaker, restless prize, spectral wings, and uh, friend and search and they're all about either getting me you know more support or you know it's like a, a they're basically clutch cards which uh, will allow me to you know in in a pinch be able to either get an attack off um get to an objective that otherwise you know too far away or you know just get me more cards so i think the um that, that's the idea that yeah between the um, my, my gambits if that makes sense mm-hmm uh confusion yeah. i i will say as somebody who's played against grimwatch often enough i I am most fearful, uh, well, of many things, but I would say uh, I, when I know they have confusion in there, it, it's just it's uh, soul crushing because one thing I often like to do is oh, well, I'll just stand on an objective, and then you know, then I've got at least I can say that one they can't take without striking me off and having the push card. But here you don't even need to do the first; you can just have confusion. You just have to get close to me, and then you're going to steal it from me. <laughs> so, yeah. Those are those that I find that one particularly backbreaking and and not always included. Yeah, that's true. I think um, what I really like about Confusion is that it literally came out way back with the Shadespire core set, mm-hmm. and it's now become a card that's just so good. Uh, I mean, I remember a time where you know virtually you wouldn't see Confusion, not mm-hmm. really, sure, know, in any in any competitive deck, and now it's just a you know for certain decks it's almost like a staple. So, and I think that's great. Definitely, but, you know. But, but depending on the evolution of the meta, you can have cards like that. that yeah, extremely useful. Yeah, I I can remember a day. I would say it was just in the in the very first few weeks of of Shadespire when uh, uh, it was Iron Skulls and Sepulchral Guard, uh, Reavers and Steel Souls or Steel Hearts, I should say. Uh, and and I my mental math was that in every deck I will include sidestep, distraction, and confusion. And then, you know, slowly some of those had to step away. But I love that uh, they're sitting here in your deck. So uh, they come back around again. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, do you divide your upgrades uh, similarly? Or how do, how do you organize those? Yes. So my upgrades are actually... So if my ploys are, are all about positioning and all about... Um, yeah, like, well, you know, I call them, like, clutch cards. My upgrades are all about, like, offense. So I've got, essentially, seven upgrades that are all about doing damage or giving mm-hmm. more dice. So, you know, you've got okay. the Larva Lance, which, for me, is, like, 
best uh, upgrade in the game because um, it suddenly turns a, a little guy into into a massive threat, especially from like round two onwards uh, with range and, and all kinds of dice that can't be modified. So that's pretty cool. Um, Heroic Vision again is a great card to just give um, the Grimwatch extra dice, and you can give it to any of them. So so that's pretty sweet. Um, Seize Weapon is my favorite uh, faction uh, specific weapon. Heartbreaker. So good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in one of my games, and it was actually against uh, Freya, uh, day one, uh, fourth, um, that was my fourth game, I actually managed to take one of the curse breakers off the board in an end phase by upgrading them, by upgrading seized weapons to one of my oh. guys, doing one, <laughs> and me going, and I score one glory, thank you very much. And, <laughs> you know, oh, it's just no. such a yeah. good card Yeah. Um, that, you know, I can't, yeah, it's, and also it, you know, counteracts uh, Crown of Avarice because, Again, mm-hmm. it's not a gambit, mm-hmm. um, so you can get that cheeky kill. Um, obviously, Tome of Offerings, Trophy Belt, just for the extra glory. Um, and the fact that I've got you've got so many targets in, in your Warband that you can give that combination to, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty cool as well. And then Great Strength and Well Motivated are just those extra plus one uh, damage cards that um, you know that makes suddenly Crack Marrow um, extremely threatening, even Grizzlewell, even Valreek, mm-hmm. you know, extremely, extremely threatening. And then I've got, you know, uh, the last three slots are basically is to discourage my opponent from, um, you know, going and, and trying to kill one of my my key guys at that particular time. So like sudden growth is a great card. I mean, sudden growth actually, uh, I you know, dare I say, it won me the um, the tournament on the weekend when uh, I had uh, when I gave it to to the herald, and then Frederick was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, you know, he's on like one wound, um, mm-hmm. and then he just used the spell to. Um, to try and kill him, and then I was like, no, he still has another two wounds left. Uh, so that made a yeah. massive difference, you know. Yeah. Those, those plus right. two wounds is, um, is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Impervious Delusion is also a great card, the fact that you can go, you know, sudden growth plus Impervious Delusion suddenly makes, like, Crack Marrow almost unkillable, um, or at least, you know, very hard to kill. And then Crown Ravis is just, I think it's still a staple, uh, even though, obviously, I, I like the new, the, the FAQ that came out with it, you know, that now it's uh, it's not as broken as it was before, but mm-hmm. I still think it's a very good card, especially if you've got guys that can come back from the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, again, it's to discourage your opponent from picking off, you know, or you can even give it to, you know, one of the other guys, um, Valreek or Gristlewell or even Crackmarrow, and just go, okay, so if you are going to invest, you know, a lot, a lot of manpower to, like, get rid of these guys, you're at least not going to get the glory. Mm-hmm. So you kind of force your opponent to make a a choice between, you know, do they take that really good, you know, important piece off the board and give give you glory, or do they just go after someone else? At which point, that piece is going to go after them, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, havoc. Yeah, we we talked about your uh, objective deck having a, a glory ceiling of eighteen, but we can see here in your upgrades that uh, there are three upgrades that will improve your your uh, glory flow with the right. uh, trophy belt, <laughs> tome of offerings. And uh, even the crown of avarice. So, uh, really, your your uh, glory ceiling is is kind of stealth higher than uh, it, it first yeah, appears. Absolutely. So. Uh, I actually managed to score. I think it was like twelve glory against one of my opponents in day two uh, with the combination of tome and uh, trophy belt because crack Marrow just went killing ghosts um, left, right, and center. So sure. That was, uh, yeah, and that was that was quite quite surprising. And also, yeah, because I was kind of wondering, like. Uh, I mean, not to say that the Grimwatch can't be destructive. They like they have plenty of uh, aggressive potential. But uh, I was just wondering, since you're, uh, it seems like the most of your focus is on holding objectives, and so I was wondering, did you really get a chance to take advantage of 
getting kills with the uh, upgrades, but it sounds like, yes, you did. You got a lot of Gloria from those. Absolutely. Because ultimately, I mean, once you get your guys into position and you know, okay, I, need, I only need three guys to hold three objectives at any given time, what do you do for the rest of the game while you go and kill stuff? Mm-hmm. That's, sure. That's what the, the, the power deck's geared at. It's geared towards. Mm. So, if, um, you know, the, the upgrades are very, you know, offensive, whereas the, the gambits are very, sort of like, disruptive in that way, if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Because you can use them. So, there was also, like, one of my matches, it was, it was actually really cool because I had, so it was against Dan Jones um, around uh, game three, and he had, like, three of his um, thorns of Briar Queens around my bats. And so I was like, I had just a sidestep in my hand and I was saving it up until that point. None of them had inspired. So they were, they were going to inspire in the uh, next activation. And so I kind of had to make a choice. Do I play sidestep to try and get one of my guys onto an objective to score some glory? Or do I deny him the inspiration? Mm-hmm. And actually, by deny, and I chose to deny him the inspiration. By doing that, um, it, he, it basically shut, shut down his next strategy. I actually saw that he was quite surprised. He was like, Oh, chapeau, you know, he, <laughs> he was, he was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to have to do something else here. And I think that, um, so yeah, I think the fact that you can play, especially with pushes, you can play them in a way that, um, you know, it's either disruptive or it's, you know, geared towards you getting objectives. It's, um, it's super important. I mean, my, my friend Chris always says like, you know, in, in a meta where objective plays is so important, push is king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I think that, yeah, that, that's why I geared my, my my gambits that way uh, that makes sense i i know that uh when i play if, especially in game two or three I'll, I'll be trying to count the the pushes that i'm aware of and you know just kind of keep track how how in danger am i of the uh of the board state changing suddenly uh from those pushes yeah i i agree i mean they've i think they've always been strong it was our it was our very first episode was about pushes but i think in this uh even more so than before they're they're pretty spectacular uh, before we jump into your games, there's one thing that uh, I think I'd like to uh, just touch on, uh, and that is talking about um, board placement. Uh, yeah. As far as uh, going to this, did you have? Uh, I'm sure there were things that would change for depending on matchups, but your preference. Let's say if the choice was yours, uh, would you be picking taking the three objectives, or would you be? Uh, setting diagonal, or, or uh, how would you be making that decision, and uh, what what uh, would factor in? It very much depended on like what warband I was going to face against. So for the most, like for the norm, I would always try and get the three objectives, just because mm-hmm. um, you know to make the, uh, for example, swift capture uh, a lot easier. You'd want to put like one, so I'd put like two on my side, and then like one, you know, towards my opponent's side as close as possible to me. Because um, if I did draw into Swift Capture, I'd want to be scoring that as easily as possible. Um, but it kind of against like Thorns, I definitely want I want the boards because uh, you know they can come to me. I, you know I'll, I won't let them be, score- <laughs> be scoring temporary victory or anything like that so easily. Um, against Agro Warbands, I'd probably like you know so for example, if I was gonna go up against Magor Fiends or um, the Iron Soul Condemners, I'd probably give them the boards. I mean, luckily I you know I didn't go up against them, but um, I would, yeah, I'd probably like, I'd probably give them the objectives and set up long boards, or you know, try, try and mitigate the um, the threat range if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was pretty much so. For example, against um, um, if I, yeah, if I was facing off against a warband like the the Mournflight or Thorns, uh, I'd always try and pick a board with no lethal hexes on my side, mm-hmm. uh, and with um, as much um, or as little, sorry. Um, uh, what do you call blocked hexes as possible so that I could get my guys onto the 
the opponent's side of the field as quickly as possible. Sure. So, um, yeah. so I'm very happy because I got to use a lot of the um, the Shades Fireboards uh, against those kind of <laughs> right. matchups because they just worked really, really well. Um, yeah. It, but it sounds like you, and this is something we think is, is fundamental, I think it sounds like you had the ability to have a good game plan whether or not you had control of the objectives or the boards you might have a particular yeah. preference in a matchup but it wasn't a it wasn't a deal breaker uh, if you didn't get the one or the other yeah correct yeah, yeah absolutely i think that's crucial especially when you're going into um you know a tournament you need to be able to go okay so um what boards can i play you know when mm-hmm. um also needs to be like very, I was very wary as well, for example, um, of being longboarded. So I'd always pick boards. So if I never, if I got the objectives, I'd always pick a board with, you know, three to four on one side and three to four, on, you know, on the other side mm-hmm. for placement. So I could always get my guys onto my opponent's side of the board quite mm-hmm. quickly if I needed to. So I think the, um, and it's important not to, because some people obviously, you'll, everyone will have their favorite board. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to give up that favorite board, you know, in order to go, can, to pick something else that's more appropriate for that play style in that particular time sure yeah makes sense uh, Phil do you have any more questions or should we jump into the games here uh, I think we can get going on the games alright so Sandra what we'll be looking for you is uh, you give us if you can remember a, a player name but uh, give us the uh, warband you matched up and then uh, kind of an overall sense of the game um, as we get into some of the, the uh, day two we may get more detail but uh, be, be as if you think there is something particularly notable or particularly uh, interesting that's, that's what we're going to focus on so we'll get a uh, a war band, a, a result in, uh, in highlights. Um, but, uh, coming in, uh, first game of day one, what, what were you, uh, what were you up against? So I was up against, so Benny, <laughs> which oh. ironically enough, you know, we, it was him versus me, you know, in that store tournament back in November yeah. uh, for the final game. So it was kind of like revenge because we were playing both the same war bands. He was playing curse breakers. Sure. I was playing very much. Um, and you know, it was, um, I managed to get a, a two, two zero, um, Against him in the uh, so round round you know the whole um, of the first match, but um, but what was notable about that is the so in game one he was very unlucky, mm. and I need to, and it's important to say that because I remember he like literally after activation one he tried to inspire Amis he didn't he tried to like cast Abzotin and making that completely went awry uh, and so I was like okay so luck was on my side game one I think game two it was a lot more balanced mm-hmm. so in terms of um, because I ended it, so game one it was eighteen eight to me. Game two it was nineteen seventeen. So it was a lot again. Mm. It was a lot more balanced. Um, but it was the fact that um, being able to pick off like uh, kills with um, so again in game two I actually lost Crack Marrow very early on, um, which um, which put me in a tough spot. But uh, but then again I was able to adapt quickly and get Griswell and Valerie to get in there and, and pick off a lot of kills with the uh, Trophy Belt and um, Tomb of Offerings. Mm, uh, which balanced out the uh, the glory the glory difference at the end. But yeah, I think for me the you know most I mean Benny's a really good player, but I think the, yeah the game first game would have been very different if he if some of his spell rolls would have gone off you know um, how he wanted them to. So yeah, I have definitely played that game against Benny where uh, at the end of four activations he's cast one spell despite seven or eight attempts or so. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. harsh, super <laughs> harsh. But um, but yeah, so I think that that was that was like you know uh, game one, uh, game two. I went up against a good friend of mine, Brian Kelly, as one flight, um, and that I think it was um, again. I, I was very lucky uh, in terms of um, because I'd practiced against that matchup nonstop for a whole week. I kind of like it comes to a point where I was like, okay, I I I almost like knew uh, what they were going to do before they were doing it, mm. and you know just because. 
they, you know, okay, so they're going through these two objectives, they're going to probably score, you know, fleeting memories, or, you know, they, they're going through a block text, they're going to end up next to one of my guys, which basically meant, okay, I can almost predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it allowed me to be at a, at a point where I was like, okay, so I know almost that this particular piece might not be in immediate danger. danger. It'll be in danger later, but mm-hmm. right now, if they're going to score this X objective, then they'll need to do some, you know. Um, and so it was... Um, the fact that um, yeah, I was also able to get some some lucky lucky kills um, and also some very lucky critical defense rolls that um, that swung the game my way. So I think yeah, again it was it was a two 0 It was twenty one to ten and then twenty two to six in game two. Um, but it was the fact that I was able to quickly get a lot of glory off, you know, and start killing stuff really early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also yeah, Brian missing missing some key attacks that that would have definitely swung the game his way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that that was round two, and then round three. Um, yeah, it was against Dan Jones. This is the um, this is the only game uh, overall that I lost. So mm-hmm. game one, I won twenty four nineteen. Game two, it went to him for like eighteen twenty three. So we had it was a wow. zero glory difference at that oh point. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, and then game three, it was like uh, so it was zero four to him, but only because we went to time. So there was like literally six minutes left, uh, and uh, whoever drew the best hand for you know could, that, and we sure, played. Sure, 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 sure. Um, and the, but the thing that I really really liked was that, and, and this is the, the you know for me the big highlight was so game one, it was the fact that um, so Dan started off really strong and he started off scoring you know scrum temporary victory the, you know the whole thing. Remind um, us, he's he's running uh, thorns, is that correct? Thorns, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was running thorns, um, and it was the so again it was felt very reminiscent of the game that we had back at um, Tritex Games in uh, back in November. And um, and what I really liked was the fact that I was able by turns two and three to score very big and mm-hmm. to take that game back. Because if you'd started watching our game uh, at the beginning, it looked like he was going to win, like hands down. Mm-hmm. You know, but the fact that I was able to keep my objectives, wait, and um, and just basically make those plays towards the the end of rounds two and three, um, and brought that back. And then, like I said, he then flips that over and. Um, and took momentum in game two and took that back. And then, yeah, game three, it was just the fact that, um, yeah, it was whoever had the best cards at the beginning and uh, and they went to him. So, you know, shout out to him. And this is one of the things that I really like about our community as well, because like, so one of my friends saw me at the end of um, of round three and, you know, um, Dan and I, we, we were joking. He came, you know, he came and gave me a hug. He was like, oh, you know, um, good game and everything. And it, it was it was just such a nice, so I wasn't even like you know salty or anything i was actually you know it was it was a legit like you know we ran out of time mm-hmm. he had the better hand he won you know hands down it was it was a very very good match he's a very good player um and you know he yeah look, look for, looking forward you know to our our next match you know when when <laughs> sure. i've beaten him once he's beaten me beaten me now so it's all about like you know who can get you know who yeah who wins the next game well it's interesting the uh so dan jones is part of the uh ready for action crew is that correct Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I, I feel like that uh, that crew. Uh, I, I'm sure you you folks who play over in the UK are all aware that there there's a, they have a, a good stable of players there. Uh, I think it, it gets a little undersold just because they uh, it's been a little while since they had a podcast out. They they do their YouTube thing, but uh, yeah. we know some of the names like Michael Carlin and John Reese. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I I think I went back and started looking. I'm like, man, these guys have these guys have been up there a lot so yeah oh absolutely no Dan's a great player he's absolutely he's got like a great tactical mind yeah. and um, for me there was a particular point in game two where um, it could have gone either way but then he just made 
a particular, he made a charge through one of my guys mm-hmm. with one of his like little little um, ghost. I think it was the headless ghost guy. Um, and then he just and then he played like sudden appearance to like bring everyone close to him. And just it was. And then he just inspired everyone, you know, um, because he didn't kill my guy. But then he knocked me off the objective and managed to like not only get all his positioning in place, but then also inspire a whole bunch of ghosts. And so I was like, I, it was just a brilliant move. Mm. And I think that um, sure, yeah, he's he's a great player, and I definitely not underestimate him. Uh, on his worst day, let alone on <laughs> when he's had his breakfast. So. Uh, uh, so at that point, you're two and one, but your one yep. loss is so you, you've gone two o two o and then one two, yep. and even that was on just a minus floor. You didn't lose yep. much glory in that loss. No, so correct. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know that there's still a, a chance for it uh, going into game four. And what did you have there? Yeah, absolutely. And so game four, I came up against Freya. <laughs> yeah, the Steel City <laughs> under all. So I was like, okay, so I'm I, literally that whole. So this wow. is the first tournament. Uh, that is a murderous run. Wow, that is absolutely. rough. Absolutely. I was like, I know every single person I'm playing against, um, and they're all very good players. So I was just like, okay, this is, you know, an, another one. So <laughs> I was like, Let, let's see what this, you know. And obviously, um, Fred's playing uh, Curse Breakers. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So the, uh, and again, it was a matchup I knew very well because I played them for a while. And, um, and I know what they can do. So that, for me, it was like, okay, so it's just a matter of how aggressive are they going to be? How many spells are they going to cast? And uh, so for me, it was a matter of, yes, I will be putting some lethals next to them. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll be putting some block hex down the board, you know. So, um, and again, I was, I was, you know, very, um, very lucky that I managed to um, to get some, um, yeah. So there were some spells that were cast, some spells that were missed, you know. I managed to also take that... Um, that match 2-0, it was 20-15 and then 20-13. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I think the um, the point that I was probably the proudest of, it was like um, when I'd make certain moves, like for example, I'd upgrade a guy or, um, you know, thinking, um, you know, and, and, and Trey would be like, oh, okay, I have no idea what you're doing or I have no idea why you're doing that. <laughs> and um, it might have been something silly as like giving the Herald that was like way back, you know, on the other end of the board, Larva Lands. But then obviously Frey not knowing that I had like spectral wings or, you know, some other way for me to get him mm-hmm. to the other side of the board to maybe to yeah. to make that attack. So I think um, it's all about as well, like unpredictability. And when you can plan two, three turns ahead to go, okay, so if this happens, what's my contingency plan? And so for me, it was very much like that kind of mindset. You know, mm-hmm. every every game I went to, I was, I was always thinking, okay, so this is my end game. This is what I want to do. But then what can, if that goes awry, what can I do? you know, with the other pieces I've got on the board. Mm-hmm. What's, what could be, like, my insurance policy to still be able to, to get me as much glory as possible? Uh, so you, you walk out of this match 3-1, uh, and one, and the one loss yeah. was, was not particularly bad. Did you feel confident you were making the cut? And at what point did you know that you had made it into the top 16 and were going to be playing on day two? So we were using the uh, the CPB the app. So, like, at that point, I saw, like, when my results went up, I was, like, 11th. And I was, like, oh, you know. But then I didn't think. I, I thought, oh, I'm, I might, you know, this is, like, the preliminary results. And then I, I dropped, like, to 12th, 13th, 14th. Um, and I kind of stayed there. Uh, but then, obviously, the um, the app then, you know, they, they hit everything. So we couldn't say anything. And I was, like, okay. So, you know, if I, if I don't make it to the uh, – I, I was definitely sure that I was, like, in the top 30. It mm-hmm. all depended on other matchups and, you know, what other, you know, glory difference was going on with other other players so um so for me it was all about okay so whatever happens you know uh, i did my best i had some really good matches um you know i played against some some really tough players so you know whatever happened happens and so being able to and then yeah when when um i appeared my name appeared on the board and i won the uh 
the the, the first day price for the best um, Grimwatch player, I was I was extremely happy. Um, uh, I was say, ecstatic. Yeah. Say something more about it. Were they doing prizes for that, or was it was just yeah? They did, so basically, they, they did the prizes for whoever like placed the best, like the highest with the particular war band. Oh, very cool. Oh, if you didn't come cool. top sixteen, yeah, that was really really cool. I was and that for me, I was like, oh, you know, I've, I'd already won, you know, I'd read, already won everything in terms of. I was so proud because the Grimwatch are like my favorite war band. So being able to like place in the tournament, you know, for start being able to play top sixteen, I was I was ecstatic, and then winning the. Uh, Best Grimwatch Player Award as well. That was for me. That was like yes, you know. If, even if you know they two was horribly wrong, I know that you know day one was was awesome. So I was I was very happy in terms of um, yeah of the thing. You know how 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 it went. Sure. Uh, so let's talk about day two. Uh, you you uh, you're coming into day two. Uh, this is is this your first time being because I, I, your previous win would have been on a one day grand clash yes, is this have correct. you have you been uh playing on the second day of a clash before uh, no this was my first uh, second day of a clash so that was uh that was quite special as well all right so, uh yeah who, so who are you yeah. you're, so you said you, you're coming in at the 14th seed yeah correct. all right so that would put you playing the third seed probably um and who is yes, that so so that was uh in terms of, that was bart uh, so that was bart's uh, so i played uh-huh. against thorn so um, ending day one, I was thinking, and when, when I saw what, which warbands um, qualified, so I think we had something like six thorns, um, yeah. which is yeah. almost half of the, um, you know, <laughs> of the roster of players that um, that qualified. And so I was like, oh, okay, so chances are I'm probably going to play thorns of the Briar Queen. Um, but in terms of things that I learned from the first day, I learned that you know thorns are no longer that tsunami that comes at you against Grimwatch, and you know because they can match you model for model. Uh, I was like, no, actually. If I stick to my game plan, even if they take the lead in game one, I can bring games two and three back. You know, um, I can game uh, bring rounds two and three back mm-hmm. and, and still win. So that was for me the biggest thing that I took away from um, in terms of lessons that I, that I've learned. Um, and I and so yeah, so I played against um, Bart Stones of the Briar Queen, um, and this was again game one. I was extremely lucky, so I won the board both games, mm-hmm. uh, which was great because I got to to get the um, to set up the uh, the objectives. Um, and then I also um, the first game I rolled crits like a, like a god. Literally, I was just so lucky with with crits. I mean, at one point um, there was yeah, I think I killed like this is the game where I killed like something like four ghosts where Crack Marrow had like belt and and oh glory, no wow and glory. <laughs> I won like game one thirty to twelve, which oh. for thorns versus you know wow <laughs> is is unheard of. Um, and it was complete. I was just like, well, you know, it's it's one of those games where if you're just rolling crits, then you know you you can't go wrong. I mean, Bart is a great guy, and um, but yeah, it was it was just one of the, one of those games. Also, he did a lot, like he deployed Varklav extremely aggressively, which took me, you know, that that took me by surprise because normally you don't see Varklav mm-hmm. open your business right. at all, uh, uh, you know. So him deploying him so aggressively, and he was also playing a, a flex aggro. Thorns, so that was um, so I had to like adapt to that because I was like he had the the upgrade Varklav's upgrade that gives him that's basically giving him plus one glory if he kills oh, a dude. Yeah, sure. Shackle guys chains. Uh, that's maybe part, that's it. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that's a, uh, an upgrade you don't see often in Thorns. So that also I was like, oh, okay, that's that's a thing that's happening. Sure. <laughs> so I had to be like, okay, I need to be I need to stay as far away from um, from Varklav as possible. Um, and that's yeah. 
That's an, <laughs> that's an interesting moment. I, you occasionally have those moments in games where you say, you know, you're going into, you say, I understand this matchup. I know what's going on. And then one of those, one of those cards will come out like Shackle guys chains. You say, Oh, maybe I don't understand what they're doing. And all of a sudden you're, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a good job to you to maintain composure and, and uh, kind of press through. Sometimes that can uh, destabilize me enough where I, I, I get off my game plan, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree. I think the, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was, I mean, by that point, I was, um, so I actually got to see that card uh, game one, mm -hmm. where um, where I had a lot of, like, in terms of glory. Funds. I mean, he, he managed to catch up because of the because of that card and, you know, being able to also score some, some late game objectives as well. But knowing that he had that card from game one, I was able to then, when I saw it again, games two, um, it was, yeah, it, it was like, I wasn't taken aback as much. And I think what your point is super important when, yeah, when you, I think sometimes when the card's revealed, um, it can have a huge impact on on the other player if they're if they're not prepared for it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and then game two is actually when I got to, that was when I drew the um, that card combination that I was like, okay, I cannot score this. I need to get rid of this, which was solid gains, um, opening gambit and um, uh, combination strike. Combination strike. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I, to, I was like, well, I'm not going to do anything with this get rid of this but then that allowed me to draw into name of the king um and then um gathering momentum and if i remember correctly it was the um supremacy so we wow. a lot better hand you know by comparison mm -hmm. so i was like okay that, you know we're back on and um and even then you know i still managed to, to get 21 to, to 9 on the second game so but even though i discarded yeah um you know uh, three three objectives that was still it was still it was still a good game in terms of uh, sure interesting so it sounds like in these ghosts matchups that uh trophy belt and uh tome of offerings ended up being really clutch because you were able Absolutely. to gain tons of glory without needing it to all come from objectives absolutely 100 percent. that was the um i think that the fact because because they have such push uh, the push factor with them is so important uh, and you're never going to get rid of bar club i mean yeah, I mean, unless he's like extremely uh, deployed extremely aggressively, and you can get him off the board, uh, you're always going to be, you know, uh, at a disadvantage in terms of mobility. No matter how many push uh, cards you have in your in your power deck, so it's yeah. about like, okay, so what can I take off the board when? Um, and you almost kind of have to like, I mean, there were certain times where I just ignored the queen and I went for everything else because I was like, okay, she can only charge once. Um, and, you know, even if she was at a point where she could just do multiple attacks, you know, if she was killing my small guys, I can always bring them back with the ghoul call. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so being able to just get siphon off that extra glory was, was super important, um, yeah, in this kind of matchup. It's interesting because often I would think that, um, you know, having to throw away, uh, it sounds like, four end phase glory at the uh, right at the outset, you might might feel like his death knell, but... It, there's, I mean, that that was a particularly obvious decision. There's no way this is literally impossible to score. You know, some sometimes exactly. you're like, ah, maybe I have time to cycle one or not. But that that's a that's a throw it away, and then just know that you are going to be turbocharged uh, and then have the potential to run out of fuel, um, and so uh, play accordingly. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's another one. Uh, not to not to let yourself get to, too too downhearted. I think if I was into the top eight and suddenly saw I was going to have to discard a, a, a starting objective hand. I, that would be, that'd be a, that'd be a tough moment, but, uh, well done there. So you move on to the, uh, semifinal 
Uh, and uh, no, this was that, this was top sixteen. Then I moved on to the top eight with against Ben oh. Davis and Kate Morton. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And again, this was because of my previous day and how well I did against um, Brian's uh, Mornflight. I was like, okay, so I know I know this matchup quite well. I know that there's a finite number of things that they can do. Um, you know, they do it very well. But you know, I was like, okay, and I, I know I can I can take this. And um, and one, for me, the, the highlight of this was when um, Ben started flipping objective and getting rid of objectives. Um, you know, just from the board, he just uh, he just took cards that was like, oh, flip this on your territory or do this. Uh, you know, there's also an upgrade, I think, that he was playing that was um, if the if a Banshee ended on an objective, it would get flipped or something like that. Um, and so that, for me, I was like, okay, alarm bells, I need to... I need to start getting on objectives and I need to start scoring some of my glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the first match, ended, it was 20 to 12. And then the second match, it was 21 to 7. So I think the uh, that, because I saw, again, that he sprung that strategy on me at, uh, in game one. And I was just like, right, okay, so I need to start killing some Banshees. And I need so I, I actually was a lot more aggressive in terms of um, how I deployed and um, just, like, the choices I made. Because, I, you know, I was like, okay, I, I need my objectives. I need to, to be scoring my glory. So at that point, I was just like, yeah, um, Crack Marrow and Grizzlewell and Valerie need to go and um, and just take some ghosts off the board. And I think the um, and by, by game two, it was, um, you know, the, 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 this was actually the game where I went. Um, it was, yeah, round one, I went. Uh, so in the name of the king, um, temporary victory and, um, yeah, gathering momentum. Uh, uh, so that was, uh, yeah. And so that set up the pace and the tempo for the rest of the game. And I think that... Um, yeah, I definitely think game one was a lot more challenging than than game two in terms of uh, when I when I went up again. Then just because when you kind of like when you saw that strategy, and that was the first time I saw the uh, the flipping objective banshees, and I was just like, oh okay, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was. Uh, and also Ben's a very good player. I mean, I, he's I've done skirmish, um, I've been in skirmish tournaments with him where he was playing the goblins back way back when. And uh, he completely wiped my my Grimwatch off the board, so I definitely was not underestimating him sure. in any way, shape, or form. And then that's when it took me to yeah. So after this match, it took me to the semi-final against John Reese. Yeah. And his one fight. So it was the third time I was playing uh, against Ladies Harrow's um, one fight, and um, and the first first match it was actually quite tight. Um, and again, it was uh, so John missed a particularly uh, important attack where it would have because he had one of the banshees with the Tomb of Offerings. Which would have given him uh, plus two glory for that kill, and then right after, so but he, he missed that, and then right after that, I missed a crack Mara's attack with belt and tomb offerings that would have given me three glory for that. So had those, both of those attacks still gone off, you know, it, the game would have still ended the same way. But it was, but it was even closer. It was eighteen to seventeen. So Ooh. that was, um, oh, wow. Yeah, that was that was very very uh, that was a very intense match. And then going to game two, um, it was twenty one to fifteen. So again, it was, um, uh, I think, game two. Uh, because I'd seen again, I'd seen his play style. He played very aggro banshees. Um, it was uh, it, it was easier for me to go. Okay, so I need to make sure I don't give him kills early on. I need to make sure that um, you know I'm I'm getting onto my objectives and scoring my, my stuff as early as I can and and killing you know banshees as as early as I can. So that was um, and then you know by that point, I mean I when I had my, my first match against Bart, I never thought you know I was like okay whatever happens you know will happen. And so but you know when I was like oh I'm top four now. And then I was like, oh, I'm in the final now. I was like, okay, you know, kind of like what that moment, that surreal moment where you, where you kind of like you're happy and you, you just don't believe that you know you, you've got to that point where, where where you've gotten. The story so far feels like it, it's been 
you know, you, you correctly anticipated a lot of what you'd be facing. And so you had a lot of reps against what ended up being some of your most important games. I mean, they're all important, but, uh, having those, having those repetitions against Banshees was, uh, invaluable, especially when it came to day two, uh, knowing the matchup in the thorns, uh, crucial, uh, for, you know, your, your day two route was, uh, improved by correctly predicting what you'd be facing and building to that. And then I would say, to me, it sounds like, uh, you know, if, if you, we've talked about it before, if you are playing against someone like a, a John Reese or something like that, on the one hand, you, you played a bunch of, uh, of very excellent players that you, that are, they're known names and such in the, in the, uh, previous day. And so that gives you a little bit of extra confidence, but you know, if you, if you play against a John Reese, you play against an Amon or play against a Sandro, you know, everyone's got to play the game and they can, you know, they, they, they may make a mistake or the dice may not go their way. So you just got to, uh, you know, play the game in front of you and not worry about who it is so much as, as, uh, the game itself. Um, but, uh, you've got to, got to be feeling good. You're back into the finals now. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it was, um, and again, I knew, I know, um, Frederick from the, um, the ETC, um, route because I actually went to, to Serbia um, last summer to, to partake in the, uh, in the ETC um, so for Underworld. So that was, um, so again, you know, I was no, no stranger to, to Frederick. Um, and seeing, I actually got a chance because I finished my match against uh, against Reece, uh, John Reese uh, quite early. So then I got to um, to watch um, Tommy face off against, um, against Frederick and to see a lot of the, because um, they were actually playing on stream uh, mm-hmm. then. And uh, I'm just seeing that you know the the Chris Breaker dynamic and how how aggressive he was being. You know that was that prepared me sort of like kind of like you know mentally <laughs> going into his match, going okay, so it's he's going to take no no prisoners. It's going to be um, one of those you know tough um, and you know f- finals where um, and you know when when we ended up like s- sitting down, you know facing off against each other. For me, the um, the, the the crucial for me the, the crucial point and it was right at the beginning of the game. It was when he had so he'd actually placed um, Stormsire uh, in a corner because uh, mm. I I remember this so moment. He won the, yeah, and then I just went, okay, fine. Um, I have a glory that I can spend. I've got Grizzlewell. I am going. You know, I played Haymaker. I was like, I need to get this guy off the board. I need to get Stormsire off the board because he is by far the biggest threat, best spellcaster. Yeah. You know, he yeah just needs to go and doing you know making that charge against a trap Stormsire. Getting that death, the three damage, you know, right off the bat, and then being able to go seize weapon and take him off the board—that was huge. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was, um, yeah, that was for me. That was a turning turning point in in game one. Um, and then by that same token, the fact that uh, it just set the uh, the temple for the rest of the uh, of game one. Um, and then you know, but then he managed to to make because he's a really good player. He managed to to bring back the game, you know, in 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 game two, and. Um, where I found myself, I was like, okay, so um, that, there's not much I can do here. <laughs> it was just that, I mean, by that point, I think I, we ended the match with like, I had like three guys left on the board. Um, you know, he took crack mark, he took all the big threats out and I just did, there was just nothing I could do. I could really do. And then going into game, so it was all about, okay, so just kind of forget game two ever happened. Let's just go, you know, into to game three and, um, you know, and set, and set things up. And I think, again, being able to, Again, positioning was very key there because, um, especially right at the beginning, when I was able to um, to stop him denying me the inspiration uh, in game three, that for me that was a crucial moment where I was able to go, okay, so I'm going to use distraction, bring I think it was either Amis or Rastus 
next to the bats. And then I was like, okay, Crack is doing all kinds of damage, and I'm just going to spend activations to, um, to attack and get this piece off the board. Because the moment that happened, uh, then I was like, okay, he wasn't able to stop me from... Uh, from inspiring, and then that—that that, I think the and also the the final charge with um, with Crack Marrow uh, into Stronsire towards the end, uh, making him also use all of his um, power cards, you know, all, all of his spells to get rid of um, of the Herald to then just bring the Herald back, mm. make that charge, you know. So whatever happened, I had a contingency plan to be able to, um, yeah, to be able to to score to secure me that that final victory. Yeah, and that was it. You were you were the uh, you were the champ. So. Uh, to your name, uh, how uh, how did it feel? Are you are you still basking it, or are you already thinking about the next thing? Uh, well, you know, I'm still. So I, <laughs> I, I felt uh, incredible. It feels, you know, obviously incredibly good to to be able to take the, the trophy home. Uh, I'm already thinking, you know, like what what May is going to bring because I think there's going to be um, another grand clash in in May if I'm not mistaken. So I'm thinking, you know, um, yeah, obviously looking forward to the new warbands. You know, when they come out, what cards they might bring. You know how how I'm going to how they're going to slot into to the Grim Watch because um, I definitely like I said I definitely want to stick with them they are like my favorite warband for now mm-hmm. um, and yeah it's just it's just been great it's been absolutely you know a ride so far uh, so we we've got a couple follow up questions then so uh, just you did you did play on the uh, on the stream how what was the experience like playing on the stream was it uh, would you just play your play your game or was it uh, did, did were you aware of it. So I was actually, um, I wasn't as aware of it as I thought I was going to be. So, because obviously back when I won the, um, my first Grand Clash, uh, we, it wasn't streamed uh, back then. Mm-hmm. So, so I'd never had the uh, playing on stream experience. Um, the only thing I think it was in game two where I just forgot to turn my, um, my cards, the you know, to uninspire my guys. So I had like, um, I think it was Niall from the, um, that was look. That was you know looking out, out for the chat and whatnot. That he came and he was like, "Don't worry, I'm going to flip them back up and, and whatnot." And that was very nice of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that definitely distracted me a little bit in the in game two. But I think other than that, I think by by and large, it was. Uh, it, I wouldn't say that it hindered my experience in any way, shape, or form. It was actually quite quite nice to because you know my friends were like watching from home. Um, my partner as well. So then my when I left when the tournament finished and I checked my messages, I like had almost like um, you know. Um, a breakdown of everything that happened on the, on, the, <laughs> on the on the stream, you know, which was very nice. But um, you know, so so that was quite, yeah, that was that's quite a, a good opportunity and a good, a good experience as well. Mm-hmm. It was uh, I I got to watch almost all of it uh, live as it was happening. It was it's very exciting to you, you're in the chat there. I remember the uh, uh, storm sire losing his arm to uh, oh, Gristle yeah. Will. <laughs> Gristle Will, uh, yeah. That was. Uh, a moment where everyone, you know, you could see the gristle wall charge coming. Everyone's like, "Oh, you know, he's got a glory to spend," you know. And so it was, it was a, uh, it was, it made for a pretty fun spectator sport. So um, cool. they're they're steadily <laughs> they're there. steadily improving. Uh, I, I think there's some changes they can make in in how they show it, but uh, I think they've got something there if they can uh, refine it. Phil, you got any questions? Uh, yeah. So so I guess just as a uh, kind of a quick recap. Um, what, uh, what were some of your takeaways overall from the tournament and, uh, what do you think you can apply from this one going forward? So in terms of takeaways, I think that, um, I like that the meta's at a state where, you know, I, I wouldn't say like any one particular warband is king. Um, I think the, um, it's a matter of, I think 
positioning is ever more important now than it, you know than it ever was. Um, and and again, for me, the big takeaway it was it was knowing your matchups really well, um, trying different warbands, learning how they play because. Um, yeah, that, that literally sets you up. Like, there's nothing worse than you going to a tournament, facing up against a warband that you've never played before, uh, either with or against. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you just you just don't know, you know, what to expect. So I think for me, it was a lot of it was predictability and a lot of it was just knowing what my opponent's going to do and mm-hmm. then just planning ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the fact that, yeah, you know, I mean, I took the, the Friday, you know, I literally, because there was a skirmish event there as well, uh, I decided not to go. I decided to just stay home, rest, um, you know, just just make sure that, yeah, I was I was mentally uh, physically prepared for the for the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that for me was key, and uh, and then just try and enjoy yourself because I literally like honestly I didn't I, I mean I you know obviously I wanted to get to the final and win, but I went there just going I'm going to go with my friends and enjoy myself, and I think um, that's the most important thing. Just have fun, mm-hmm. and, you know. Don't sure. get knocked down by uh, you know the. Um, the pressure because i think that can get to some people and i think just as long as you're having fun win or lose that's that's the important fair let me ask you this so you had eight matches uh six of them were two zero wins is that correct yeah that's correct uh and then two of them went to three three games uh and yes. time became a factor in uh one or both right uh did the, the final ended after two or yeah yeah uh, final end of yeah but the good thing about the final though is that because that, literally that was it was just as there <laughs> yeah. so it was um you know we, we managed to just get the, you know we actually managed to play throughout the whole run which sure. i'm really happy for because uh, i i you know win or lose i would have you know it, have, it wouldn't have felt right you know if we hadn't been able to finish that that final, that mm-hmm. final game. well uh, so but what what is your thought do you think 90 minutes is enough do we need to take a look at increasing game length or would players just take that much longer and fill up the available time um based on your experience and then maybe seeing what was going on around you as well i think the thing is obviously if uh, if the game is going well for one particular player then obviously 90 minutes is more than enough time because all you need is to win two games and that's it mm-hmm. now speaking objectively and having experience so a game lost because of time, because ultimately it was it, time was a big factor in my, my third game against Dan. Um, I think 90 minutes might not be enough. I think I would definitely look at, you know, um, you know, extending it, even if it's something as silly as like an extra 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be um, that might be ideal. I think yeah. Sometimes it's um, and especially if you've got um, if you're playing you know seven man versus seven man warbands, mm-hmm. um, there are just so so many like, tactical decisions you need to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that it's um, yeah, but sometimes ninety minutes is definitely not enough time. Sure, and we're talking about uh, matches where there's two players who clearly know the game extremely well. Yeah. You know, we experienced on the much smaller scale with our, our local event recently. Uh, I ended up just extending the rounds quite a bit because we had we had so many new players. You know that they were they were taking much longer than uh, than thirty minutes for per game. Um, and we'd, we'd get away with it sometimes or it'd be a round where everyone went 2-0 one way or the other, but then we had a game where, or a round where there were a bunch of two ones. And so I think what we're seeing is that whether, whether you're a new player or a very experienced player, um, there's, there's the potential for 90 minutes to be awfully constraining. Um, so that might be, might be something to look at, although it's a logistical challenge, I'm sure for the organizers. Absolutely. We've got, we've got, we know, we know you're sticking with the Grim Watch, looking forward to seeing the universals. Um, 
we've kind of uh, talked about your thoughts on the meta. Uh, Phil, we got anything else to wrap up with here? Or? Uh, not, not really. Um, I, I, I guess I kind of wanted to circle back on some of the meta stuff just in your, in terms of how you feel the overall warband spread is represented and, um, how do you feel, uh, warbands are balanced between each other? And then where do you think, uh, that will change as we continue to fill out season three here? At the moment, there, there is definitely, um, especially with a lot latest, um, Forsaken and Restricted List, it balanced the meta a lot more. Uh, before, it, it felt like aggro warbands didn't have much of a chance against um, against some of the, the you know the objective um, playstyle. But I certainly felt like uh, where it stands now, you can play. You know, I think flex is definitely the way to go. Uh, in my in my personal opinion, um, I think that um, it'll be interesting to see like what um, the Hawthorns, I think that's what they're called, uh, man trappers, and the um, the Nurgle uh, boys, you know, what they, they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that there might be some very interesting um, mechanics there that we, we just don't know about yet. So um, I'm very looking forward to, to seeing, you know, how they how they match up against the Grimwatch and against the Thorns. Because uh, I think, I feel like, um, you know, they might, they're might they like two of the, um, and the, you know, they're two of the Warbands to beat at the moment alongside um, Breakers and um, and the Banshees as well. I think mm-hmm. the, uh, they're, they're, for me, I think they're, they're four of like the strongest Warbands at the moment. For different reasons, I think that I'm actually very happy that the because the thorns, um, it's very interesting because the um, obviously they're, uh, you know, the them alongside the curse breakers, they're the core uh, warbands from the nightfall set. Mm-hmm. And, and then I remember the thorns. Thorns were very good when they came out, um, and then they kind of kind you know trailed off a little bit, you know, in terms of like people just weren't really playing them. They weren't really represented that well um, in tournaments, and and I'm really happy to see that they, you know, that with with a simple change in terms of like objective play. Or with a simple, you know, change of um, of just universal cards coming out, that a warband can become really, really good again, you know. Um, and so I've I've got, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm hoping one day I can go back to um, Lars Guardians, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, making making them extreme, you know, making them competitive again. I yeah. Because um, um, they're like I said, they were all one of my my favorite um, warbands as well. So I think the um, yeah, just just being able to. You know, hold hope for the future, and like I said, um, looking forward to seeing what what the new warbands bring. And to because I imagine a lot of people will probably, you know, especially if you had those players that liked Molog back in the day, they're probably like gonna find you know kindred spirit in um, in the man trappers. And mm-hmm. I think the uh, you know Norgal usually has a huge following as well, so sure. we're, we're probably gonna see those two quite represented in tournaments. So we'll see. Right, uh, two warbands that look very different from the thorns and uh and the grim watch so uh be be interesting to see what kind of impact they or the universals they come with have that'll be it'll be fun i i think that's about going to wrap it up for us uh sandra do you have anything else you want to you want to touch on before we uh start closing up uh no i just want to say thank you very much for having me over guys i you know i've been listening to to your podcast since you guys started uh way back when (laughs) so uh you know for me it was a great honor for you guys to to invite me over and to to yeah to share my thoughts with you so thank you very much Oh, yeah, well, we're super happy to have you. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll watch for the uh, for the guardians to come back in, and we'll we'll pull you in when you uh, get your your third clash uh, with the uh, with the guardians. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, so as always, as we mentioned at the top of the show, you can get in touch with us at wthcast and whatthexcast at gmail dot com. If you want to check out the extensive uh, stuff that we put out on the network, it's themortalrealms.com. 
got all our different podcasts on the website there. There's also a link to the Patreon if you want to take a look there, and we'll have one in the notes. Um, we just use as a as a tip jar as a few extra little bonuses uh, throughout the network. Uh, there's a Discord where we chat on. It's uh, again um, for for all the people from the the different podcasts. Um, uh, fun place to be there. And then otherwise, uh, we'll see you on the Facebook groups and in different spots. Uh, you recommended listening for this episode. Uh, we're going to say it's uh, Victory Lap by Nipsey Hussle uh, with a tip of the hat there, Sandro. So uh, take a victory lap. You've earned it. And uh, that will do it for What the Hex. I've been Davey. This is Phil. This is Sandro. Sandra, if you give oh, a, and Sandra. this is Sandro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is Sandro. Sorry. <laughs> All right. You're good. Yep. I've, uh, it's been a while. I, there was a long stretch there where I forgot to tell every guest about that. And so that we'd have exactly that, uh, moment every time. And, uh, this one, uh, I returned to my old form <laughs> and did that. So I'll, I'll briefly interject with a story of my own. You talked about, uh, having, looking, having the game look like you're going to lose in that, uh, in the first game of the match, correct? Um, I was on the receiving end of that. I uh, recently, as a shout out to Matt, aka Pastor on uh, Discord, I went into round three of a game against Grimwatch. I was up 17 to four. And during his round, he made one charge with the Duke. He drew a card, he put a fighter on guard, and he moved a fighter. And he outscored me 16 to two in that round uh, and won it uh 19 or he won a 20 to 19 so uh that was that was my version of that all looking like oh i i there's no way i could lose this this looks in the bag and then uh and then being the person getting dunked on in the poster so i i'm i'm glad for i'm glad for dan that uh he could he could uh rebound from that for me it was the uh game three of the match so all i had to do is uh sit and ponder what uh what all went wrong but anyway 